it's a countdown and we are recording. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, this this software Zencaster is different than what we've been using. We've been doing free the free trial roundabout thing to try and figure out what we like the best. But gotcha. Yes. All right. Well, uh, hello on this? on this. Hello on this bonus episode of, of the Dungeon Bros podcast, or I don't know what clip I'm going to use in the regular podcast, but I'm here with uh, Wyatt of, of Typical Gemini on TikTok. Hello. Hi. This is, Hello. This, this is such a fun time. Uh, Sam and I talk all the time about how we, we like to talk about Magic the Gathering. Because it's awesome. Yeah. It, well, it's it's an important part of Wizards of the Coast, and we want to we want to acknowledge it on the podcast and talk about it. But we are not very well versed in Magic: The Gathering in the slightest. You, on the other hand, quite a bit of expertise. Yes, I uh, started playing in two thousand two thousand sixteen. I want to say okay. maybe two thousand fifteen, like right at the end of that. So yeah, I've been I've been playing for quite a while, and you know, learning new stuff all the time. That's that's uh I think a a year year and a half after the first time I was ever exposed to Magic the Gathering I was a um I was a freshman in college and our RA and a couple other uh, guys that lived on our floor basically just got our entire dorm floor into Magic the Gathering during like the lead up to the release of the Theros set Oh yeah um Actually, I pulled out of out of the closet my old my old Theros stuff, and I've been Excellent. going through it today in in preparation for this to try and remember. I the only the only deck that I really built, and it's unsleeved right now because I took them out of their sleeves. But it was like a blue white Theros deck where I was using like Phalanx Leader and the what is it what is it even called Battle Battlewise Hoplite to just get like a massive amount of plus one plus one tokens on oh all yeah my shit classic um, strategies and we went to like a big pre-release event and all that kind of stuff and i don't even, i don't even know if you know what this is because i still don't even fully fucking understand this ridiculousness the magic the gathering from the vault oh yeah thing. oh man i won this as like the door prize whoa um, those are uh they were already they were always a pretty good product like all things considered they just kind of started going downhill with like quality and stuff and wizards yeah. i think replaced them essentially with like secret layers yeah we'll we'll get in we'll get into secret layers a bit from our the the episode of the podcast that this might be airing on um the one, the one thing you might be a bit disappointed uh this is the one that has uh Jace the mind sculptor planeswalker in it um, I totally just traded that card away like a week after I got this pack. Um, turns out, really tanks the value of this whole set. So you know, yes, un that was <laughs> that was quite the uh, quite the blunder on my part. But well, I, I thought yeah. I, th I figured you'd appreciate what that was because I do. Clearly, I, do. I didn't <laughs> at the time. And it's perfectly fine. You know, we all make mistakes when we first get into card games before we realize, oh, that that card I traded away because this one was shinier was actually worth like 10, 20 times 10 as much. 20, yeah. <laughs> the amount of, 
I, uh, I wish as a kid I was I pestered my parents more to get me into Pokemon. I wish I were more into the Pokemon cards instead of the Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Um, I, I have a large collection of old Yu-Gi-Oh cards that I absolutely love, but I I could have had like all of the super valuable Pokemon cards. But oh, yeah. if if it was all just Pokemon, I, I kick myself a lot about that. But we're getting we're getting derailed at this point. How did um how did you get into Magic: The Gathering? Uh, for me, I was always kind of interested in it, and I, I have a similar story uh, about the first time I played, uh, which was in high school. A bunch of my buddies, we had formed a Yu-Gi-Oh group uh. that we would kind of go to nationals and play like that. It wasn't anything oh, shit. huge, but uh, shout out to Team Shadow Force. <laughs> and uh, they played then, and what they played was a modified version of it. So I went to Walmart and bought like a little... I think it was Mirrodin Block starter deck, mm -hmm. and they were playing where if you had lands in your hand or on top of your deck, like you could just keep playing until you had hit a, a creature card or something to play. Oh. And that was wrong because I, that deck did terrible, and I was like, "Well, I'm bad at Magic. I'll never play this again." <laughs> and then literally in 2016, that's when I really started to get into it again because a buddy of mine was getting into it, and he was like, "Hey, you know, let's jump into this together." And I was like. Sure, you know, we'll just buy a fat pack and we'll build like two decks out of it and try that. Mm -hmm. And then we played correctly that time and I ended up loving it, even though I lost every single time. <laughs> uh, and where I was living at the time, my LGS was like right down the street. So oh, when I discovered really that, nice. oh yeah, when I discovered that, that's when I started going to pre releases and. Uh, kind of learning about different strategies, and I just started consuming a lot of Magic the Gathering content. Uh, Tolarian mm. Community College, the I think it was the Mana Source at the time. They're no longer doing videos. Uh, Command Zone, just consuming as much as I could get. And then we moved, and a buddy across the street where we moved was starting to get into it, and I would go over there and play. And he's the one that actually got me into Commander, which is like the format I play the most now. That that format is the one that I feel like I would enjoy so much more than any of the standard formats. But there isn't like a real. I I don't know if I could even begin to fathom how to build a deck. It's okay. So the rules of Commander are: you have your Commander that you basically can summon any time, right? Yes. And if they get destroyed, you can summon them again, but it costs more. Yes. And you can only have a single copy of every card that isn't a basic land. Absolutely, yep. And it's 100 cards? Uh, 99 plus your commander, yeah, 100. That, I don't even I don't even know where I would begin to create any sort of cohesion there, or is it meant to just kind of be chaos? It's sort of meant to be chaos. What's a really good thing about the format is it gives cards that had no place in, say, standard or modern, or anywhere else, uh, a home to really shine. Mm -hmm. um, but in recent years, it's kind of wind down more so from what used to be, like, the big splashy format. Like, Commander used to be the format where you would see a lot of, like, eight drops, six drops, just, like, huge things, and that's what drew a lot of people in. Uh, but the format recently, it's still dropping those huge cards, it's just dropping them much sooner. And okay. we're always slimming down, and depending on where you play in the command level, you know that can that can change as well. But um, it's not as hard as most people think it is. You just start with 
like a concept is what I like to start with. Like I like to pick the commander and then from there you use there's several resources I use such as EDH rec or MTG goldfish um, mm-hmm. tapped out Moxfield, things like that. And from there, I just kind of assemble cards that synergize really well together. And you'll have some staples, I guess, if you're playing in certain colors, things that just slot in no matter what. Like, a lot of people slot in Soul Ring automatically. So there you go, 98 cards to go. The Commander yeah. and Soul Ring. <laughs> Is, uh, so... And, and you can do any card from any ver like any past version, any past set, right? Yes. Uh, there's like a small ban list, but it's it's nothing super crazy. So I could go in and actually take my Theros cards and create something somewhat cohesive. Obviously, oh, absolutely. I'd only was... get my one precious failing soldier, but oh, know. don't worry. There are if you enjoy that strategy of like. There's... Oh. flooding with plus one plus one counters oh, like just flooding the board there's so many commanders that do that you are you are in good colors i so i played i've been i, I previously have played magic the gathering arena on my phone there was like a solid two month period where i was playing it like very religiously and they make it they make it very easy with the starter cards that you get and the very easy to get stuff to get that like plus one plus one strategy with blue and white going uh and so obviously I gravitated toward that because that's what I recognized. But I found that specifically in Magic the Gathering Arena, or this may be Magic the Gathering at large too, that the power creep as the sets have gone on, like it, it was it was a challenge to learn Theros, but for the most part, when it came out, it was your standard Magic the Gathering, and it just kind of had a flavor of Greek mythology to it and not really any crazy mechanics. But when I look at the state of Magic the Gathering now on Magic the Gathering Arena, especially with the D&D set adding in just a crazy number of new features, it it doesn't feel very beginner friendly anymore. And are you are you worried about do you do you agree? Are you worried that it might be more difficult to get the get the game to grow more? I there are times when I kind of worry about it like that, but for the most part, having I've recently taught two other people that I work with how to play, mm-hmm. and one of them absolutely just fell in love with it. Like they're already, I taught them to play like a month ago, maybe, and they're already like five or six commander decks deep. Like they are just full in. So it's not so much that it's not new user friendly because. At its core, the great thing about Magic the Gathering is it is for everybody. You can, I can literally sit here with this massive box of cards I have nice. and probably throw something together that's at least passable, mm-hmm. you know. So it just depends on how advanced you want to go. You can do really easy, really simple stuff like a token strategy. Just make a bunch of tokens. Or... I'm a red player at heart, so, you know, things where you make goblins or deal direct yeah, damage yeah. Is, is really where I, I tend to be. Yeah, I would, and, like to, I would like to swing with my 37 goblins that I have on the field, please. Uh, 37? <laughs> those are rookie no- We got to get those numbers up. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's... What's a good thing about them is they always kind of backpedal every now and then and put out, like, a very user-friendly set. 
Mm-hmm. So Dungeons and Dragons is probably not the best place for most people to like dive into the format because, like you said, uh, they do introduce a lot of different keywords and stuff. They're just trying to be on flavor. Yeah. Um, and they're not actually like real keywords like you would be like death touch flying, uh, trample, trample stuff like yeah. that. But they are just like a huge wall of text. Um, so I'm kind of predicting that maybe in the next one, either Dominaria United or even Dominaria Jumpstart, we'll see kind of a return to more simpler, uh, mechanics and have like really big splashy things in there, but not make the whole set just like a wall of text to read. So you, so do you think, you think the complexity is more specifically with Sam and I's focus on the... Uh, the Dungeons and Dragons set specifically because that's more thematic for what we like talking about. Uh, it can be, it can be. Like I said, the the Dungeons and Dragons sets have a huge wall of text, mostly because of the choices. Which again, the more you play Commander, the more you'll realize cards that give you multiple choices. Mm-hmm. That way, it's never really like a dead card in your hand, like something you just can't play. Now you're like, yeah. okay, well, maybe I don't want to venture into the dungeon, but I want to greet the goblins and instead of exiling the top three cards of my library and playing one i'll make two goblins or something Mm -hmm. um but another good thing wizards does to really get people into the game the format that i've helped the most people get into is commander and their commander pre-cons that they make are phenomenal like they are so great for new players because they come in and and it's all streamlined like they Mm -hmm. used to be a real mess Uh, The first couple ones, (laughs) the first couple ones put like shotgun blast against it and was just like, it's going to do one of these things, but none of the things it's going to do very well versus what they've done now where it's almost all synergistic with the commander. Hmm. And I'm sure part of that is the, the freshness of the format at the time. Commander is like very, very new to my understanding, like within the last decade. Uh, I don't know exactly when it started, but I know that it's, it's been around for a while because the, the commander came about because of Elder Dragon Highlander, uh, which is the EDH term of it. And it was the Elder Dragons, like original Nicol Bolas and a couple of the other ones that were seven sevens. Mm-hmm. And they would be able to attack three times, which is where the commander damage uh, clause to win comes from, you know, dealing okay. 21 damage to somebody seven times three. So you would attack someone with your commander seven times. Okay. And it did take off in popularity, though, within the last 10 years, for sure. Uh, I just looked it up. The The format originated in 2011. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, so we, yeah, we both right. could, I, I could have been learning how to play commander at the time, but it would have been oh, yeah. very new. Um, okay, getting, getting off of Magic the Gathering generally... You were you were watching us as we recorded the podcast live. Were you there for the uh, the the new secret lair? Uh, the released? Fortnite secret lair. Oh my god! Just <laughs> everyone victory royale. I get, oh, please no. I get, <laughs> <laughs> I get that it's just like existing cards, and then they're just putting new art on it and theming it around things. But like, come on, right? Yeah. No, it's, that's. Actually, we were very lucky that that's all they did was just reskin yeah. cards in in Fortnite because they have in the past made completely unique 
secret oh, layers no. that have not had magic equivalents. Like oh, the no. the two that come to mind are the Walking Dead secret layer mm-hmm. and the Stranger Things. Now they did later print the Stranger Things into Innistrad, the newest uh, yeah. Innistrad. But the Walking Dead, I do not think they've yet to get a Magic the Gathering equivalent. So oh let's how... let's be thankful for that. But yes, yeah. I it's crazy to me that I mean, if I would understand if it was at the height of the Fortnite hype, but if it's... they did a secret layer, but I feel like Fortnite is no longer it's now just a meme. The the sad the sad reality of that though is that Fortnite is still like the most pop like the most profitable game in existence right now. <laughs> Oh yeah, and, um, I mean, I have a I have a goddaughter who's like obsessed, mm-hmm. and it's crazy because she just runs around. She doesn't even want to shoot people or anything. Like she just wants to run around and build or or drive like the four wheeler or whatever around the map, and like people will just be, come over or and, be Thanos and fly across the map and shoot. Yeah, you know, about, yeah, <laughs> standard things. <laughs> that that game just has so much going on, and it will just continue to grow. I, I I played Fortnite for a little while when it was when it was like on the upswing of popularity and I'm like I get why people like this but this is not for me and then I jumped back in when they did the Infinity War tie-in with Thanos and I'm like this is neat this needs to stop though yeah <laughs> we I, we've already kind of jumped the shark a bit much here oh absolutely and they've just continued you know you got the X Men and Naruto and oh, oh my god I else. forgot Naruto was in it. <laughs> oh no that's ninja way oh that's horrible (laughs) i I mean Uh, naruto running has been a meme since like the 90s it feels like when did naruto start whatever it started is when it became a meme well you know i was definitely one of those kids that naruto ran to the cafeteria and like everyone (sighs) would make fun of me but i had to like i had to do it like this so i held my backpack so it wouldn't wobble back and forth so you know it was more so out of necessity but it was also like it's not that my high school was huge or anything i came from a very small uh place but still like Mm. i wanted to get in there to get my lunch so i could actually eat and not you know so when they started turning it you get the 25 minutes for lunch and you have to spend 20 of it waiting in line (laughs) yeah and when they turned it into a meme and i read it for the first time i was like i was literally that kid like th- and... these memes are getting too personal now. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love a good personal meme. Uh, some of them aren't great. Do you, yeah. <laughs> do you remember? <laughs> you remember a couple years ago when there's the the all the news stories were there's going to be people storming Area 51 and Naruto running to get them aliens. Yes. I, oh my! Oh my God! I I work in television and. We covered it. Oh my god! It, that was like that was the ultimate like oh cringe niche internet things are colliding with like my real world and I don't like this. <laughs> that is a. Uh, I'm sure that when you report on like a story you know is either like a meme or oh, yeah. fake or something like that, you're just like oh, guys, come on, like Late- work with me here. <laughs> yeah, lately, lately my big like eye rolling thing is every time they talk about Stranger Things and try to talk about D D, which is like a sentence if that and it's always like oh that is a gross overgeneralization of what 
what the D D oh. hobby is. Oh yeah, but you know you got to keep it simple to like draw the people in. Like that's yeah. why when they when they do the fight with Eddie and the and the Vecna thing in the beginning episode, it's always like you know they just show like the one or two of them rolling dice and. They don't show anyone rolling death saves or anything like that. They just kind of pan over them, and they're all having fun and stuff. And that's what's really yeah. going on. But what they didn't know is that they were actually just rolling to seduce, like, the local goblin or something, you know? I mean, what what's life without seducing a goblin or two? Exactly, yeah. you know? They yeah. just wanted to focus on Vecna. But I'm like, hey, show people what D&D is really about, you know? Give them, give them the whole story. Yeah. So for, for as for D and D, this is ostensibly a Dungeons a and Dragons podcast. podcast, more than a Magic the Gathering podcast. Yes, uh, but when when did you get into Dungeons and Dragons? Was this a thing that segued into Magic the Gathering, or segued from Magic the Gathering, or were they just kind of independent of one another? Uh, they were definitely independent of one another, and so growing up, I listened to this song. I found it when I was like. I think like 10 maybe and it's called hail to the geek and one of the lines in it is uh i got a halfling level 13th fighter thief and mm -hmm. i always thought that was like badass and every time i would go to barnes and noble you know i'm looking at all the cool books and i'm like oh look this art's amazing it's blowing my mind and my mom was always like no you know that's that's like a 40 dollar book let's let's put that <laughs> back uh so it was something that always kind of sat in the back of my mind, and I told myself I was like, one day I'm gonna I'm gonna at least try D and D. It seems like something I would really like, as you know, as the theater kid to D and D content creator pipeline uh, mm. goes. But oh, the, uh, the classic pipeline, yes, obviously. But the <laughs> funnily enough, the thing that finally made me go back to it was the first season of Stranger Things. Uh, when they did their D&D thing, literally after I finished that first episode, I, I looked over to my wife and I was like, I am going to find people to play D&D with. I have mm -hmm. to at least try once. And sure enough, the next day I was talking about the first episode of Stranger Things and I brought up D&D and one of my coworkers who lives up the road from me uh, at the time he did was like, mm -hmm. Hey, me and a me and a buddy were about to do a, a one shot, and we got one other person. You know, do you want to get in? And I was like, Uh, yeah, I want to get in. So the serendipity, love yeah. it. Uh, and to be fair, at the time we were playing, like I guess now that I know more about it and everything, it was like D and D light because mm -hmm. he he wasn't really doing like he wasn't hard and fast on like the rules of what spells do if you needed components. Um the role play aspect and stuff like that that was something that kind of came out later but from that first session i was hooked and um me and the guy they brought actually ended up talking afterwards and we formed a group and that's the group that i still play with today wow that's awesome i oh, yeah. uh i also had a long-standing group when i when i decided i need to play D, &D all the time um i i as, as most people have to do I was like, well, I obviously I have to DM this because I'm not just going to find someone that'll do it for me uh, and let me play. And only, only very recently has that group finally decided I think it's time that we'd be done. So that that was that was a bit of, of melancholy there. But that's that's awesome that you still play with your same group. Oh, that's crazy. yeah. Well, the, the first group I played with them for a long time. 
but then just like schedules started conflicting and my my first dm was a great dm like he he wasn't one that would like tell turn you down or tell you no or anything like that he was like very open to the creativity because like the very first time he was like i'll dm for you i was like hey uh, i'm gonna send you a little backstory is that okay and then you know three pages later i've created my one shot character yeah. who is a drow necromancer so oh and yeah. very interesting first choice of character uh, I had been watching a lot of Lord of the Rings, and I was like kind of obsessed with the Witch King, and mm. I was just kind of like, let's let's do something with the undead. So he was like, oh yeah, that's badass. And this was before I knew like wizards were a super complicated class with all kinds of spells and whatnot. So I was just like mainly focused on animate dead. That's all I wanted to do. I was like, let me just bring people back from the dead. That is that is the ultimate necromancer goal is to just have your skeleton army. Right. Um have you since then what have you played? Uh since then I've played a uh Tiefling Warlock, which was one of my personal favorites. I've played a dwarf bard, a halfling bard, a halfling sorcerer, and most recently I'm playing a Tortal Cleric of the Light. So you are a big fan of the spellcasting side of D&D then? Uh, the bards were more so because I knew they... I watched a lot of Critical Role, and I really like Sam Regal's character, so bards just kind of was something I gravitated to as someone who likes to parody songs and whatnot. So mm-hmm. uh, that's where I went. The spellcasting, like I said, my, my DM at the time was always really light on that, so the spellcasting was just like, hey, just... Just, you know, however you want to do it, that's how it happens. I'm like, cool, you know. <laughs> no, uh, but, sweet. but as I learned more, I started going more towards the martial classes. Like my Tiefling Warlock, I would say, was like the first real dive into dungeons, Dungeons and Dragon, like mm-hmm. the hardcore rules and everything like that. So he was mostly Eldritch Blast and hit things with a really big sword. A hexblade, or uh, he was a fey pact with a uh, blade boon. Okay, okay. I I have a uh, a half orc hexblade warlock that I play right now. Who we 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 recently leveled up to level five. Recently, it was like three months ago. But we, the last time, <laughs> it's recent. All recent all, enough. <laughs> I was gonna say that's how all sessions work. You can just be like, "Hey, recently," and it's like, "Dude, that was a year and a half ago," and you're like, "It's recent." Okay. Yeah, it was like three weeks ago in game. Calm down. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that I've I've always been attracted to like that gish style sword and sorcery kind of thing, um, and I'm trying to if I if I end up the next character that I end up playing, I'm going to try and get myself away from that. I haven't really played like a pure martial with with any amount of significance before. Uh, so I want to I want to try and do that. And I say pure martial as uh, the class I'm looking at is Ranger, which is already right. a half caster. <laughs> so, hey, you know, you got to start somewhere. And funnily and, enough, that's kind of how I ended up as my total cleric, because mm-hmm. I've always been like a wisdom as my dump stat type character. Like they've never been aware of anything. Yeah. Uh, and when I played my warlock, I really liked the dynamic that we had going between the patron and, and him. So I was like, okay, well, how do I turn that into like something else? And I was like, I want to be able to cast Fireball. 
So let me look at, at what can do that. And then, boom, Cleric of the Light showed up. A classic. Yeah. And then uh, that was around the time with the controversy where everyone was talking about how it's messed up that tortles only live like 40 years. Um, yeah. And we're like tortoises live to be like 300. <laughs> exactly. So I told my dungeon master, I'm like, tortoises only live to be 40. He's like, no, they don't. I was like, well, that's what it says in the book. He's like, yeah, well, they actually live to be hundreds and hundreds of thousand years old. I was like, all right, cool. Then that's how we'll do it. Because I wanted him to be an old man. So when I looked up how old turtles were, I was like, there's no way they only live to be 40. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like I like that kind of laissez-faire sort of mentality with DMing. Have you tried DMing yourself at all yet? Yes. Uh, my current dungeon master, um, shout out Corvo, uh he actually was the one that played in a lot of my first couple games because when we got away from the Dungeons and Dragons light that we were playing essentially um I really wanted to take over and I kind of had this story in mind and we started it and everyone was having a really good time and then it fizzled kind of like most campaigns tend to do uh, but there was a string of one shots that I would do, and I still do one for my birthday uh, every year. Like most recently, I did a level 20 one shot where the players got to take on a Tarrasque. Uh, That's fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll uh, I'll have to send some pictures after the podcast because I don't think I could like pull them up on here. But we did not have models to scale, so we ended up having to use a alien queen that was roughly the same size <laughs> and a megazord to represent the other character. Yeah. That is so classic. I I remember my first the first like actual boss fight that I ran um it was supposed to be like oh god. There was supposed to be a, like an out like they're trying to sneak through a battlefield kind of Osgiliath style in Lord of the Rings if you're familiar with that. Oh, and yes. I needed a treant that's like allied with someone at the destination that's working their way through. And then you have to, they had to like get through the battlefield without the treant being like, Oh, there's another person. I'm going to fuck them up. Yeah. And I, I, I can't even remember what I, I don't remember exactly what I used, but it was something like a toilet paper roll that like I crumpled over on itself and like it glued together into like a vaguely tree-like form. I think, I don't even remember. That was like four years ago at this point. Oh but yeah. We, we've, we've leveled up the setup a little bit. Um, hey, it's, it's the small steps you take to get where you're going. You know, I've, I've re I've, yeah, I've, I've discovered a love of, uh, crafting for terrain bits and i've taken things like a bunch of random toys from the dollar tree to make like mech since this mech oh, right here incredible if you are from it really isn't it, it looks good on camera um yeah. <laughs> you get here in person you're like oh this is just a toy but <laughs> but for like four it's crazy how simple it is now to get like good looking stuff um that that was a that was the first boss for um i don't know if you're familiar with the explorer's guide to wild mount but one it's... of the adventures in the back there the dangerous designs that takes place in hupperduke uh you have to fight a kind of deranged mad scientist guy in his giant mech that's like fucked up and barely kind of working well that just... sounds just phenomenal 
it was it was a it was a fun encounter, and I w- I was really proud of myself that I'm like I took the time to build this and paint it and make it look pretty all right, and we're gonna use it once, and then it sits on the shelf for the next decade and a half. Do that you, is, a... it it's something. It's something. Yeah. <laughs> do you play? Do you tend to play like two D theater of the mind marker and bottle cap style D anD D? Have you been getting into three D terrain at all? Uh, we out. Me and my group, uh, we've actually, it's been a, like a crazy evolution we've seen. Because we were, when we started playing, it was all theater of the mind. Mm. There was no board or anything. But the more and more we got into it, um, the more we've expanded what we've had. So yes, now we, we don't have a whole lot of 3D terrain. But we do have miniatures. Uh, for We actually have hero forge minis for our characters Mm -hmm. most of us do um and like even myself i tend to go on etsy and just anything that kind of looks cool i'll pick up like this little rotting corpse dude Ooh, that's gnarly i love it isn't it uh one of my players painted him and i told him i was like just make him look absolutely like flesh colored but disgusting that's he nailed it that's horrifying yeah and then unfortunately (laughs) <laughs> I was showing it to my son and he uh, grabbed it out of my hands for just a second and it ended up breaking off one of his arm and his little butcher axe. I mean... But, uh, I just have to get it and fix it. it it's like that sometimes. Oh, um, it is. Like, I show him these all the time because I want him to, like, love them like I do. So I yeah. try to, every opportunity I have, show him magic cards or my Dungeons and Dragons stuff. He really has an obsession with my dice. Mm-hmm. But it's mostly because they make noise when he shakes them. Oh yeah, he's not. Is he not trying? He, he's not trying to eat the dice. He he used to a lot more. Now it's it's mo- mostly shaking them for noise. But if they do spill out, he will. If you're not watching him, he will try to eat them. Because much in, not not to quote my 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 roommate Sam, who was referencing Hank Green, but don't eat dice. No, <laughs> don't, eat, don't, don't eat don't dice. eat dice. Don't eat dice. Um, this is this is for you specifically. Um, if you're looking to try and get more minis, what what I've done to kind of expand our collection a fair bit, and also because I'm scared of painting. Um, are you familiar with this? Is from back in like the mid 2000s. There's there's this Lord of the Rings hex combat game where it had all where you could buy like the booster packs of pre painted miniatures. Yes. And they had these hex bases on them. What we've been doing is we've bought lots on eBay for like 20, 30 bucks, getting a collection of minis that are already pre-painted and then just chopping them off of their hex bases and then just putting them on like standard D&D bases. Oh, and it's so, it's so simple, like shockingly simple. Um, and it's allowed me to experiment with like basing techniques and adding grass. And I did a couple like this one, I don't know if you can even tell, but it's got like a little, a little resin pour on it to make it look like it, like, like Legolas is standing next to a river and doing stuff. And you can get, you can get like Rohan type things that are more like woodsy folksy guys. You can get soldiers, you can get a bunch of orcs like the variety is very very awesome and for like a hundred bucks we probably have like 
50 to 70 painted Whoa. minis. A lot of them aren't on bases yet. They're still, I just chopped them off their old ones and just threw them in a box. Like, I'll get around to these. Like, yeah. Sar Sar <laughs> Sar Saruman wielding the two staves is going to be a bit niche. So I don't think right. I need to put him on a base right now. <laughs> but yeah, yeah if, you, if, you're, if you're looking for more pre-painted stuff that's easy to just get out on the table, check, look into that. I recently bought... Oh. There's, I was um, just going to say, I'll definitely have to check that out. I'm sorry to keep cutting you off. No, this is this is all freeform. It's totally fine. Um, and I recently bought a lot that was uh, Heroclix Lord of the Rings miniatures. The paint job on them is not nearly as good as the Hex Combat game. But the reason I got that lot is because it had large uh, wargs and those can pass off as large wolves or dire wolves which are very common and a couple of them have riders on them which is cool and we <laughs> it's hideous the paint job on it is horrible but the goblin king from the hobbit it's oh, so yeah. big but it is so ugly <laughs> it's oh, like God. really not good that's going to be one of those like all right we're gonna we're gonna like add some shit to this we're yeah. gonna cut things off of it and repaint it and the whole kit and caboodle give him some pizzazz exactly pizzazz him up uh before we move on you're out of focus a little bit you might want to put oh. your hand up on the up to the lens there and get a little refocus adjustment maybe come on you camera work with me we're not running we're not running a professional operation here we're just we're just vibing and talking about nerd shit yes pull that. did that did that help any yeah that's fine we'll move on oh. <laughs> um, i'm trying so you you are one of the uh dnd tiktok creators that one of the first ones that I saw, I think my the first one I watched was Alec the Bard, came across my for Excellent. you page, followed shortly by Mr. Kurtwise and Papa Lycan. Uh, and then it was very quickly my feed was filled up with like you and Whipjack and role playing degenerates and uh, uh, run DMG and all that kind of stuff. And I looked at that collection of people and I'm like, wow, these are all my people. That means we can totally do this, right? Ab absolutely. Like, it was um, incredible to kind of see the community because at first, like you said, scrolling through, I saw a lot of the, the usual suspects of content creators, uh, but nothing really... I, I wasn't even going to do TikTok. Mm -hmm. uh, I was just going to watch and... It was one of those things where it was like, ha, ah, you know, this this app's great, you know. And my my friend at work was like, you could do that. I was like, nah, these guys are incredible. There's no way. Yeah. And he's like, try it. And I was like, okay. So that's kind of how it started. And at first, it took a little while to kind of find what I wanted to do. Because mm -hmm. if you go back and watch for like my really early content, like my first video was a mole that I dug up out of the ground because he was destroying my yard and i tried to do like lord of the Rings skits but they yeah. never really felt like authentically me and uh they never really did super well and when my first video finally took off it was like a road to el dorado video that was like the first one that kind of like blew up interesting um uh, oh yeah 
It was uh, that was very surprising because I posted it and went to sleep, and the next morning I woke up and it was like at thirty thousand likes. So that, I was just wow. Yeah, I was blown away. Uh, but shortly after that is when I started getting the real Dungeons and Dragons content creators and the Magic the Gathering content creators. Like my hands are blank. Mm-hmm. Uh, the man with one boot. Um, trying to think of a couple others because there's just so many Um, yeah and i was like oh i'll do this so when i started doing my magic the gathering content in dungeons and dragons that's when i really felt like the people that were following me were following me for that it wasn't just like a one-off huge likes or anything um and still to this day probably one of my favorite videos was the uh it was with the armadillos keep digging sound. Yeah. Why did you become a wizard? And it's a, a frustrated halfling, and he's just like, armadillos keep Let's digging. Keep digging. Yeah. I remember that one. Yeah, that was like, that's one of my favorite ones yeah. because I I love halflings. Like, aside from the very, aside from the turtle cleric that I was telling you about and the tiefling, Mm-hmm. most of my other races were very short even the drow necromancer i only made him like four foot nine so i usually play like very small uh races and when i found out that halflings get lucky for free i was like oh this is like my favorite thing now because not only are they short they're naturally lucky yeah oh man it so you were just kind of like convinced to do D and D TikTok by a friend, or you were like, "Oh, I." What 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 was that spark that made you want to contribute as opposed to just sit on the sidelines? Was it just being like, "Hey, you should just do it," like that outside influence of like giving you permission almost? Uh, it was kind of that. Um, but I I think it was. I made one of my Magic the Gathering videos. It was really early. And it was just... Um, it was me dancing for, like... It was when Strixhaven came out. That's it. Because mm-hmm. they had two different versions of the cards. They had the the Mystic Arcanum, and then they had the Japanese versions, which were, like, two different arts. Yeah. And I used the sound that started with, like, uh, the Billie Jean is not my lover, and then it transfers into... Uh, the, I think it's the opening for Demon Slayer, if I remember correctly. Uh, I that could be wrong. Right. Yeah. But I, I did that, and a lot of people were commenting and really enjoying it. And I told my wife about it later, and she was like, well, yeah, you know, you talk about that stuff all the time. Like, why not make it content? And I was like, oh, that's a great idea. Like, use that. So that's where the Magic the Gathering Dungeons & Dragons content really took off. And every now and then I'll do like a one-off thing of something that I, I think is kind of funny or something else that sparks my interest. Uh, but for the most part, like Magic the Gathering, Dungeons & Dragons, that's what I do a lot. Um, I'm trying to bring in 40k because I absolutely Ooh. love 40k lore and uh, it's, it's been incredible. Um, that's, I learned that's... a lot from Wes Hammer. Yeah, that's that's and, one of those communities, the the Warhammer community, even even being as entrenched in the D and D community as as we are, the forty k community scares me <laughs> sometimes. 
they are they're great and like the memes and stuff they have are fantastic as well mm-hmm. the the thing that scares dungeons and dragons players away from 40k is when you start looking at the miniatures like oh, when you start for sure creating when like you a, start like, con- a, like a squad yes and, oh that very intimidating and then and then of course it's like oh well i need do do, can i get the official minis or are are proxies fine because some people think proxies aren't fine oh yeah i that's a that's a big point of contention that's one of those things that constantly comes back around in the magic the gathering community about proxies Mm. and i'm of the mindset like if if you want to play the card play the card proxy or not just play it as long even if you just want to proxy like Gaia's Cradles and the Mox Diamonds and the really expensive cards of the format, I'm like, I'll never see those cards in person, probably. So, yeah, I'm going to proxy them if I want to build a deck that has them. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think money should be a barrier into doing what you want to do. Like, I've started my journey into CEDH. And that is so full of proxies. That community is so welcoming because they're just excited to have people want to play at a competitive level. Mm. Competitive level. I have to put it in parentheses because I feel like yeah. people, when they hear competitive, they're like, oh, that it's an instant turnoff. But it's like you're just playing at a higher power level with more interaction and mm. a solid goal in mind. All right. All right. Oh boy, I feel I feel like we've covered we've covered quite a lot here. We've been we've just been all over. Oh yeah, this this has been this has been just great. I've enjoyed this. Are you okay? This is this is a little bit of a plug for me, but a little bit of I'm hoping I'm hoping that this that you can that you that you have something cool. Um, Sam and I are going to be going to Gen Con at the beginning of August in Indianapolis. Have you have you made any plans to go to Gen Con or some other sort of fan event sort of nerd culture thing in the future that we, we might be able to meet? I uh, currently no. That's <sighs> that's the answer. The last time I went to a, a con of any kind was MTAC uh, forever ago. I don't, and, even know where, I don't even know that one. <laughs> uh, that's the Middle Tennessee Anime Convention. Oh, uh, it was to, a. I used to go to school up in uh, Bowling Green, Kentucky, like an hour north of Nashville, and that would have been my fucking shit if I knew that oh, was yeah. <laughs> that was a thing. <laughs> the year we went, there was also a horror convention and a tattoo convention going on at the same time. So, like, talk about a true meshing of worlds. Wow. <laughs> you just walk across the con floor, and you're in a horror convention with like. Uh, that was when Walking Dead was like huge at the time. Yeah. So. We got to see Harold. Not uh, what was his name? It's the guy that plays Daryl on The Walking Dead. Oh, and Norman I, Reedus. I Norman Reedus. Thank you. I wanted to say Harold Ramis. Norman <laughs> Reedus. We got to see him use the bathroom. Oh, yeah. Does it? Does it? Well, does no. It I mean, diet? he walked into the bathroom, and we were just like, <laughs> "That's Norman Reedus." You didn't follow him in, like, of like course all the not. stories we're not of crazy. creepy people. That- <laughs> All the stories of creepy people that follow celebrities into bathrooms and harass them for autographs and pictures. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh man, I oh. feel like the the Venn diagram of like anime convention attendees, people that like tattoos a whole lot, and people that like horror a lot. Like that's almost a circle, right? 
It is all almost almost exactly because they have something for everybody. If you don't like this, there's this. If you don't like this, there's this. And there's no way you don't like at least one of these three things. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Um, well, is is there anything is there anything else you want to talk about, Wyatt? Uh, I just real quick to circle back to that. I w- it's not that I'm opposed to going to these things. It's just oh, yeah. uh, very much um, work and family my son just turned 18 months so yeah we have that that's very Uh, fair but the more i do tiktok and i just want to i really want to say thank you for having me on of course uh, we because we love love you we love your content we want to get people we we mostly are doing this as an excuse to just actually meet the people that we admire and vaguely interact with on the internet so thank you for coming on Oh, it, it's no problem. It It's just so nice to um, – one of the things I kind of battle as a TikTok creator, and it's something mm-hmm. I try not to let get to me too much, is when I, I don't feel like I'm contributing enough to the community or like being a part of it where I'm just throwing stuff at a wall. And, and people like it, and I, I like interacting with the people too, but mm-hmm. getting to talk with other content creators or making something that is part of the community – uh, is is really enjoyable yeah well thank you so much and we we want to spread the good word of the typical gemini which oh my gosh reminds me the this is what i wanted to lead off this whole discussion with <laughs> and i completely forgot as a typical gemini that implies the existence of an atypical gemini yes yes now, now, why? How are you sure that you are in fact the typical Gemini and not the atypical Gemini trying to pass themselves off as a typical Gemini? And then, second to that, does this does the 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 existence of the typical and atypical Gemini also imply the existence of the typical atypical Taurus? I'm an Aquarius. Am I a typical Aquarius? Am I an atypical Aquarius? Like, I there's a lot of questions. That uh, your name brings up, and I and I, I feel like you haven't adequately addressed this online yet. So please, uh, the floor is yours. Six A. No, no one has asked, but uh, the atypical Gemini is actually the other part of a Gemini. Gemini is two. You get typical and atypical. Unfortunately, there are are no other atypicals of the typical that I'm aware of. So it's just Gemini that has it. I, I'm sorry. Wow. That that was a much deeper and serious response than I was expecting. <laughs> well, it was... it's, it's funnily enough, like my name came from uh, League of Legends. Mm. Uh, I'm an avid player, oh. and me and my buddy always had matching names when we would play because oh. we would duo together a lot. Yeah, and when we finally changed our names for the last time, we were. Typical Leo, and I tried to be typical Gemini, but the name was already taken, so I had to be typical Cancer. But I liked, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, that name actually ended up getting banned. Um, I unsurprisingly, <laughs> yeah. I, but I, I would always tell him, I'm like, it's not. I'm not calling. I'm not Cancer. I'm just. I'm just saying. It's, I'm a know, Cancer. Crab, I'm not Cancer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but typical Gemini, I, I really liked it, so I started using it for like all my socials mm-hmm. and everything. So now, that's where that came from. 
the revelation that you were a a league player um i might have to scrap this whole interview and do nothing oh, with yeah. it at this point <laughs> understandable um, understandable <laughs> usual response the the uh the um, I'm impressed with how just openly you admitted that to me without fear of the ramifications of what that might hold. I'm, I, I, I very much respect that confidence in yourself. So th- well, when well you've done. been playing for, you know, uh, let's say like eight or nine years, you know, it's a pretty big <sighs> part of who you are. Oh man. Oh man. Uh, what was that? Le- arcane. I assume you like arcane. Absolutely. I feel like everybody likes arcane. I have, I have no desire to watch it. Not because I think it looks bad, but because I'm biased. Oh, uh, about who it's about or just the game uh, in general? That there's any sort of tie to League of Legends in any way, shape, or form. Totally, totally not that I already have a very, a very packed uh, content schedule for consumption <laughs> and struggle to fit anything new in. Yes. But, um, okay, now, is there anything that anything else you would like to address before we adjourn for the evening here? Um, no, I, th- I think we, I think we just about covered it with our minis magic and, and everything else. You, you did mention at one point bringing up secret layers. Oh yes. That was, that was, that was for the Fortnite, the okay. secret layer Fortnite. Do you, ooh, you've got, you've got a fancy secret layer you want to show off? Uh, uh, not what I want to show off. I was hoping to talk about the 40 K secret layer that they keep. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I completely forgot about that. Yep. It's uh, it's something that is now like a crossing over of two passions, uh, and I'm super excited to see what cards exactly they they plan because I'm I'm really hoping fingers crossed that the orcs, which by the way my favorite army, just I'm throwing that out there, unsurprising, yes, <laughs> chaos incarnate, and, and yeah, I'll I'll do that, mm. but not actual chaos, but chaos nonetheless. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I hope that chaos. they. Yes, I hope that they take cards from Magic and and put them in with like different reflavorings, different skins mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And one of the things I hope to kind of move or continue to do, because I've already done one uh, on TikTok, is start to turn 40k factions or certain things, give them like a general idea of what Magic cards they could be. Okay. This is what you could potentially see in this set uh with age of sigmar that's like a pre-40k thing Mm -hmm. so that's more of knights and and the classic goblins and not guns but you know spears swords weapons and from sigmar my favorite is the skaven which are rat people and i'm hoping that with the 40k secret lair of age of sigmar because that's one they're going to do uh that Maronar gets a reprint as one of like the Skaven lords. That that sound that sounds like something that's cool that I I have no touch stone for. <laughs> <laughs> so what what about y'all with Magic the Gathering? Uh, what have y'all done exactly? Um, like in recent, like last yeah, year? just recently or uh, Sam. Brief. I he would have to tell you more himself, but I believe he only briefly got into it. Kind of, kind of similar to us, but even less. Uh, yes. in college, I think. Um, but for me, it was it was kind of this perfect storm of I'm in college. I want to make new friends. This is what like 
there's 20 of us doing this and we are going and it's like i i'm not really interested in learning how to play magic the gathering but for 20 bucks i can hang out with a bunch of guys for four hours and we're going to do a draft and build decks and play magic the gathering and figure it out together and then theros being like a theme of greek mythology that i really like drew me in um and then as the semester the two semesters that the rest of their freshman year went on people just kind of fell off of it because it was like oh, okay we now have our established friends i wasn't really into this game and moving on um but i i dug it i dug it when i played it and then uh the several months of magic the gathering arena where i i had to duck out because i was just like i the every time i wanted to branch out into something new i would fool around with a goblin deck and i would like kind of get it to work and it's like okay now i need to figure now i need to like play with this suboptimal deck to get to the point where i can get cards that make it better and then like oh this card will be really cool but then it doesn't really mesh well with these other like sorcery instant and it became very overwhelming very quickly uh and anytime i tried to play if I played against bots, it was way too easy. If I played against people, it was way too hard for a lot of the time. Um, when it was competitive and close and I felt like we were kind of on the same skill level, it was good, but it it was just a lot. <laughs> well, ideally, that's where you would want to be, and that is one of the drawbacks. Like, don't get me wrong, Magic the Gathering Arena has gotten so many more people into it, uh, which is great. I love that. But one of the problems it does have is it seems to be it is very money driven. It's very oh, yeah. microtransaction driven because once your your deck, if you spend all this time grinding out games to buy the packs to get the perfect deck set up, and then a set rotates out, there goes like a good portion of your deck, mm-hmm. and now you have to start over. It feels like unless you want to sink real money into it at some point. Um, but the reason I brought that up is because. There is there are budget decks for Commander that you could look at, and I think that would be something you would... Commander is something you can kind of enjoy no matter what. Okay. Uh, since I can tell you have a camera, there is Spell Table. Um, mm-hmm. There's games that get played on there all the time, and even if it's just the two of you, I'm sure you have other people at, that would be around you that you could con into playing commander as well we we already have like two to three expensive hobbies that we like at this point (laughs) true true but um i i would i would definitely be interested in doing some some virtual but not true virtual but like with cameras showing a play mat with our actual decks magic the gathering sometime with people that like actually get it and can kind of help us work through it a bit that'd be really that'd be a really fun time i'd be very interested i i would be um if y'all want to just find a legendary creature that you both enjoy and i'll whip you guys up like a budget deck or something at least like a deck list for you guys to kind of get in and i will keep it twenty dollars or less so it's oh, not damn. a super huge investment. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's one of the things. One of the things I really like to do for uh, players, uh, and just for myself, because it's kind of like a good exercise for me, mm-hmm. is building decks on a budget. I, again, like I said before, I really like to make Magic as accessible as possible. 
for anyone. And price is uh, usually a, a barrier for that. Uh, so I try to build my budget decks $20 or less most of the time. Right now, the lowest I've ever been able to get is $8. That is impressive. I mean, obviously, you're going to get some cards that are like 10 cents. But right. generally speaking, that's, that, that is quite the feat, sir. Very well done. Well, thank you. But that just goes, it goes back to strategy because it's difficult to kind of get like really deep into the meat and potatoes of this. And I know we're already running a little long, but um, we're, we're fine. Okay. Uh, but certain strategies in Magic the Gathering tend to lend themselves to a cheaper budget. So if you wanted an artifact deck, that would kind of eat most of the budget because artifact cards tend to run a little higher because you can run them in anything. Mm -hmm. And it's a popular strategy. Same with aristocrats. But things like pump spells and tokens and different kinds of strategies like that are on the lower end of the scale. So like that $8 deck I was talking about is mostly a bunch of pump spells and a creature that cares about how big its attack is. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, even though we could go on for quite a while, I could, I could talk about this forever. Magic and Dungeons and Dragons. And if Sharewine deserves to be on the list of best sodas. I mean, this one does alien. (laughs) A southern a southern classic deserves to be on the list more than freaking Cheerwine does. I can tell you that much. Oh wow, that. Yeah, I was <laughs> listening to that part of the podcast, and I was like, was... I definitely need to bring this up when we talk that... because the fact that Reese's was left off of a candy bar, which Cheerwine is... was on the list. Foolish, foolish. It's it's a fucking candy bar that's just in a different shape, like. It, worthless worthless that list yes as as most you let of them melt they're a candy bar i just i you're getting me riled up and i'm like trying to go to bed <laughs> soon man you need to like wind down i'm getting all uh, up <laughs> but where where can they find you on on the interwebs obviously typical gemini on on the tiktok is there anywhere else you want to you want to pump up uh, yeah if you look up typical gemini tt uh capital two t's uh mm. on twitter you can find me there and if you look up t- typical gemini on youtube i'm slowly trying to branch out onto youtube hey we um, are too we hey, are too we hey. let's get syner- synergy yep. synergy yeah. we are a corporate entity now because of yep. synergy <laughs> exactly uh, but that focuses a lot more on the Magic the Gathering side of things. So uh, I, I've explained combos or given ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're mostly my TikToks that I just post as shorts. So if you watch one, you watch the other. But I am slowly working on a video to release on there. Uh, and if you go look right now, you see a bunch of really cringy stuff from 2010. Ah, yes, the classic. We we decided to avoid any possibility of cringe twenty teens content that I may or may not have made that may or may not exist anymore. Right. And uh, just started a new account. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would have, but I I felt I just changed my name and stuff, and a lot of the content that I did on the YouTube channel was either um jackass-esque stunts because it was really popular at the time yeah or Yu-Gi-Oh, because i was really big into Yu-Gi-Oh in high school 
that checks out. <laughs> that all that all checks out. Well, thank you very, very much for joining no, us. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. We would love to have you on again sometime. I would love when uh when the the Dungeons and Dragons um wargaming game DD Onslaught comes out. I would love to have you on to talk about that in 40k. Oh, I, I would love to be back on. Anytime you guys will have me, I'll I will gladly hop back on. Of course. Well thank you to thank you again, Wyatt, typical Gemini on TikTok. Please follow him. He's very awesome. Of course you can follow us, the Dungeon Bros on TikTok, YouTube. Yeah, definitely follow uh, them. In Instagram um podcast services around the globe. Round the globe. Uh, you can also join our Discord server and get stuff. And uh, we have uh, homebrew on Drive Through RPG. I'm not good at the outros without I I I don't I don't do well when I don't have my partner here. Oh yeah, so. no, it's not, but remember they're not brothers. We are not brothers, nor do we live in a dungeon. Nope. <laughs> that's that's his the the, the the we're not brothers thing is my thing, and then he's the we don't live in the dungeons thing. So I don't know his part of it. He has the cadence for it. I don't. It's hey, a whole it, thing. And it's the, all good. It's this all house good. of cards is falling apart around me. This isn't even a shelf. This is just cardboard <laughs> and a picture that I printed out. I'm actually in a warehouse in Jersey. I don't know <laughs> what I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> and I think that's where I'll stop.